0: Not hearing any music, Earn Dog, but that's all right. What's up, guys? Andrew Cooper is here at Coupe Fiasco on Twitter, and you are here for Coop's Fantasy Football Fiasco. What's up, gang? I'm taking a little break from my full time job of arguing about Dalton Kincaid on Twitter to join you guys today to talk a little bit about running back. So far, we've done three episodes, well, two episodes of this show. One wide receiver episode with Mike Fiella. One quarterback episode with the charitable Scott Fish. Today, we're covering the running back landscape. And to do that, I'm doing exactly what we've done in the past. I'm going to talk early about concepts, the elite guys. Then we're bringing in a legend to help with the mid-rounds. Today will be Bob Harris, FF diehards. My dog's excited. You can hear her in the background. And then I'll wrap it up with sleepers. So it's going to be a great show. Bear with me here with a dog going wild. I think there might be a delivery here. Uh, but let's get into some running back concepts to start it here, right? And the big issue that I, we run into with this position is that you can't really treat it the way you do other positions, right? I see people all the time, and I run into this with tight end. That's where I run into it the most is uh, people want to treat tight end the way they do wide receiver. They want to uh, take the wide receiver and the yards per route run and just look at targets, just look at receptions. Man, that dog's driving me nuts right now. They want to just look at targets, just look at uh, receptions, right? And the problem is there's more to the position with tight end. Wide receiver, honestly, it's easy. Like expected fantasy points, that all makes sense. With tight end, you have pass blocking, you have different roles. It, It doesn't quite translate. So, uh, same goes for running back, man. When you look at the running back position, a lot of it's, uh, it's, it's not just rushing. It's not just receiving. It's a dual position, right? So, uh, the problem, and the problem on top of that is you run into is the team is incredibly important as well. That's the big one. Hold on one second with this dog. Yeah. Sorry about that gang. The, the team is incredibly important as well, and there's no bigger example of that than Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is the premier example of why the team matters, right? You look at 2016 Todd Gurley, the Rams went 4-12. and He had 278 carries, 885 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, that's a huge workload, but only 885 yards. 4-12 and team, though. Not a good football team. The very next year, 2017, Jared Goff takes a step forward. They go out, they get Andrew Whitworth. The team goes 11 and 5. So they go from 4 and 12 to 11 and 5. Ty Gurley has 279 carries, one more carry than the year before, 278 to 279. But he goes from 885 rushing yards to 1,305 rushing yards, goes from six touchdowns to 13, right? And Do we think Todd Gurley just got that much better from one year to the next? Maybe a little bit, but mathematically speaking, when you look at his yards per carry uh, and his, uh, his yards per carry was low, but his yards after contact was high in both seasons. He was a good runner generating the yards himself in both seasons. That didn't change much. What changed drastically is the yards before contact. When you look at, what the blocking set up for him with guys like Whitworth, a guy who is essentially hall of famer. He was all pro until he was like 38 years old. That changed drastically. They went from essentially second and last in the league up to top five. So the same guy with the same number of carries with a slight increase in uh, blocking ability, a better scheme, Sean McVay, uh, Jared Goff taking a step forward gets 500 more yards. Goes from essentially a back end RB2 to the RB1 overall in fantasy football. So that's huge. You have you can't just look at these guys in a vacuum, right? The other thing is uh you have to look at the quarterback himself and what they do, right? And the scheme factors into this as well. But what the quarterback can do, especially in the modern era, has drastic drastic effects on these guys, right? The biggest example, of course, is Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts last year, this guy led the league in yards. Uh, He led the league in carries for a quarterback. He had the second most carries inside the five yard line of any player, right? Second most only behind Jamal Williams and that team threw the fewest passes to the running back of any team, right? And it's not just incidental. Like, you could even look at it and say, okay, well, last year, the three teams that threw the ball to the running back, the fewest were the Eagles, the Ravens, and the Bears. And okay, well, they all had mobile quarterbacks, but that could be coincidental. Well, Andrew Erickson over at Pro Football Focus, he did a full study on it. He's already done the research. That's the beauty of this industry, right? People come to me for tight end stuff. People go to Linda for kickers. I go to other people, and when I have a question like this, I look it up. I say, you know, what's the impact of mobile QBs on the running back? Boom, that article comes up. The research has been done. I went through it. It's pretty airtight. And it proves what we know anecdotally, right? You look at a guy like Drew Brees when the pocket's collapsing, of course he's going to dump it off to Alvin Kamara, right? Get it to the better, get it in the better hands of the, the ball carrier. When you look at Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, why would they risk? a potential drop if they could just take it themselves. Anecdotally it makes sense and now mathematically proven by Andrew Erickson to make sense, right? And another article that I love goes into one of my uh, I have a big list of articles I consider to be some of the greatest and most helpful of all time. You know, obviously Sean Siegel's, you know, zero rb and the fragility of running backs from 2013 is probably it. that's like the uh it's like the declaration of independence, right? But There's a ton of them, one of them by Scott Barrett that I love, that he went out and did the math on uh, pass catching backs, right? He went out and did the math, how much more valuable is a target than a carry, not a reception, a target. And this study proved that in full PPR, a target is worth 2.74 times as much as a carry, right? Mathematically, in stone. And in the study, he also proved that a target, even in standard, is worth 1.36 times as much. The targets are much more valuable than the carries across the board, right? So, uh you have to take that all into effect and with the mobile quarterbacks, you run into those issues, right? So, my the ideal situation for a running back is he's the lone back if possible. It's a high powered offense, you know, one that's going to be scoring a lot and they don't have a mobile quarterback to sap things from them, right? So with all that in mind, that's enough philosophy for the time being. Let's get into some of these ADPs. And before we do that, I just wanna shout out the people in chat, dude. Thank you for joining us. I see you, Chester, 1912, Brit, Joe. Uh, get your questions in if you want questions, throw things in there. I'll try to hit them as best I can, but uh, you know, an hour, not a lot of time, especially when the dog's barking and ruins the first like 10 minutes of the show, right? Unbelievable. So uh, either way, we're through the concepts. Let's look at some ADPs, right? And for ADP, I personally, at this time of year especially, once you get farther in and closer to August or deeper in August, you maybe want to look at the platform you're drafting on. Personally, what I do is I look at the platform that I draft on and the platform where the experts are already drafting. That's FFPC right? They have leagues from five bucks all the way up to $5,000 entry. The main event is $2,000 where you win a million if you win. Like these are very, very serious fantasy gamers. So I look at the ADP over there. Uh, If you want to play in those games, go to myffpc.com, use promo code alarm, and they'll match 25 bucks if you deposit over 35. Uh, I I love playing over there. There, There's a lot of great games, especially the I do the $2,000 one every year, just get on the sicko. It's 2000 bucks, but there's not that many people in it. And if you win your league, you get money. But if you win the whole thing, you get 000, 000. So, uh, a million bucks. So it's great one. Uh, I look over there at the top running back ADP, and CMC is the perfect example where everything for him is perfect except for one thing, which we'll get to. But, I mean, how often do you have a guy like this gets traded to a high-powered offense? They have the best left tackle in the league in Trent Williams. They have Kyle Juszczyk, the best fullback in the league. They have arguably the best two-way tight end. In George Kittle, obviously Kelsey's the king, but when it comes to blocking, I would take Kittle, right? And with, with the running back, that's what we care about. Great scheme, and the question—that's the only question that's left—is who's going to be the quarterback? And as we talked about, if you're rooting for CMC, you want it to be Brock Purdy. You don't want it to be Trey Lance because Trey Lance has that mobility factor, man. That volt, that vulture, that saps just a little bit away from the offense because they take it themselves. You want to start that guy as your quarterback, but you for the other weapons on the team. You want Brock Purdy. You want a guy distributing the ball, right? So CMC right now, I'm willing to take him as high. He On FFPC, he goes at six. I'm willing to take him as high as three after uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. After that, Austin Eckler. Eckler, you know, there are some narratives going against him a little bit. First, he's not happy himself. A little bit of a holdout talk. Also, moving on from Joe Lombardi, he's probably good for the team. Joe Lombardi, super short dot guy. I mean, uh, if you sort all the quarterbacks that played at least four or five games, Justin Herbert was 34th out of uh, the qualified guys. Uh, for those keeping track at home, there's 32 teams, so he was keeping that eight out super low. He loved throwing to the running back. I mean, even in uh, Detroit, he threw 159 targets to the running backs, just the top three. If you count like one of the backups, it's like over 160. But uh, anyway, he's gone now, so maybe a little knock on Eckler, but Eckler is still. Go- I mean, how many fewer targets can he get? If he goes from 100 down to what, like 80, still going to be a high-end asset. So I'm still willing to take him at RB2. Where I think we can make some money is Bijan at 11. I don't really hate him there, uh, but I let somebody else pick him because I like some of these other guys. And Jonathan Taylor on FFPC goes at 18 with a bad, potentially bad team, bad offense, mobile QB. I'm staying away from Taylor. The guys I like are uh, going one pick later, Nick Chubb. I mean, we've loved this guy. Everyone says he's the best pure rusher in the league. We've been saying forever. We've been saying that he would catch more passes if Kareem Hunt weren't there. Well, guess what? Kareem Hunt's gone, baby. And they have Deshaun Watson. They have, you know, Joel Batonio still there on the line. Everything that we liked. The dream scenario that we had come up with in our heads all this time, and where all the haters would say, oh, well, Kareem Hunt's there. Like, what? where are the haters now? Where are the Nick Chubb haters now coming around and saying, oh, well, he's gone now, so now we like him, right? They're not doing that. They were just haters from the beginning. I personally was one that said, hey, you know what? The split backfield will be off, but now that he's gone, I'm in. And Saquon Barkley, too. Now that he signed this deal, uh, supposedly you know, all the bad feelings are gone. He's going to play. Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley going picks 18 and 19 in FFPC. I'm absolutely willing to take in the first round, and you can take a huge advantage of that if you want to go over there and play those leagues. So if you do want to take advantage of it like me, uh, go over to myffpc.com, use promo code ALARM. And when you spend 35 bucks or more, they'll give you 25 bucks. So get over there, get set up, take advantage of those ADPs on FancyAlarm.com. We have the composite ADP, which is a mix of all different sites, but you can sort just by FFPC on our website and, and see what's going on there. There are tons of things you can take advantage, of, especially if you're following me on these philosophies. And I've been thinking a lot about it, you know, and we're going to bring Bob in here and look at the FFPC ADPs next segment, Bob Harris. and. Uh, We'll see what his thoughts are and get even bigger advantages for you to go over there. And there's nothing cooler, to be honest, than going on your profile on Twitter and putting in FFPC high stakes champion or like FFPC best ball tournament champion. Like that immediately gives you credit in, in this space. Being a champion on the FFPC, that is some serious high stakes action. So we're at it. And, you know, shout out Scamp, Fatty McFats in the chat, Albert. Uh, I know you guys are close to the fantasy line gang. Howard Bender has been uh, driving the Chubb train for quite some time. So he's fired up for this year. Uh, But anyway, that, so that's kind of what I'm looking at in potential first round guys, Jonathan Taylor. He's fine, but I'm looking for, for a little more upside there. And those guys, you can get in the second round. I mean, JT pick 18, Chubb 18, Barkley 19, anytime second round, that's a smash pick for me. And then, there's uh, what I'll do is I'll round out the top 10 here. I don't want to give Bob too many easy buckets. He's too good of an analyst for us to waste his time talking about studs. Right. And I don't want to give him the sleepers either. I'm going to take those for myself at the end. We're going to have him uh, sludge his way through the tough part. We're going to have him look at the, uh, the RB dead zone and the mid-range guys. I'll, I'll leave him some guys. I mean, we'll do the top 10, uh, but uh, he's going ha- to have to uh, earn his weight here. So you look at the rest of the uh, top 10 guys, you got Tony Pollard going at 24, Derek Henry at 25, Josh Jacobs at 31, and Ramondre Stevenson, Jumanji Stevenson at 32. I look through these and Tony Pollard is one where right now I do have a little bit of the, we talk about the caution tape, we're waiting for answers or waiting for ADP to come down. I got a little bit of caution tape around Tony Pollard right now, just because I'm concerned that they might bring another guy in. And honestly, Austin Eckler, I was a little, this until Zeke Elliott goes somewhere else, these two guys scare me because Zeke has ties to the Cowboys, obviously. And he also has ties to Kellen Moore, And I'm just worried they might go and say, Hey, you know what? You know, Zeke wants to play football. He wants to make millions of dollars. One of these teams might just say, Hey, you know what? This is what we can give you. And with that comfortability, Zeke might just say, all right, you know what? If it's, you know, $4 $4 million to play with a team I'm familiar with or $5 million or $4.5 to go deal with a brand-new situation, I could see him going there. So Pollard, uh, worried about him now, if we get to the season and they're committed to just using him and Malik Davis, whoever, move Pollard up. I mean, at, behind the scenes, like the metrics guys, they've been kind of right on Pollard all the time. I've had arguments with guys like Jacob Sanderson where I didn't like the situation, and Sanderson loved the behind-the-scenes stats. Well, now that the situation is better, Jacob Sanderson has his time in the sun. Pollard is the dude. So uh, well I'm waiting on that a little bit, but can't really take him here. Derrick Henry, I'm willing to grab uh, at ADP. I just worry a little bit, obviously, about the age. You know, it's father time, especially at this position. Uh, he's undefeated. So you do have to worry about that. And also, you know he took a step forward in pass catching last year, but how high can that really go? Like he's not all of a sudden going to be Matt Forte, right? When we say a step forward for him, we're talking maybe 40, 50 targets, receptions, which is great. I mean, he would be a stud doing that, but there's obviously concerns there. The two guys that I really like in this range are the ones going nine and 10. That's Josh Jacobs and Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, Jacobs, the only concern really is the turmoil with the team. You know, that maybe the team's not going to be good or that he's going to hold out you know, that's a concern, but this player proved that he could be an every down player last year. No one got a bigger workload. No one got more high leverage plays than he did. When I say high leverage, I'm talking about when it's crunch time, when you're, if there's a pass interference in the end zone, who goes down to score that touchdown, right? If it's two minute drill, who's out there uh, getting all the targets, who's out there being trusted on third down, Josh Jacobs across the board. Nobody else factored in into any sort of meaningful snaps for that team and same for Andre. Mondre, I have to put him after Jacobs personally. Uh, I am a Patriots fan. I'm a big Mondre fan. He outperformed my expectations drastically. But the concern for me is that they kind of didn't want to have a split backfield. People forget week one last year, Ty Montgomery played 20 snaps in the backfield. And he got four targets, right? He got hurt, but he had those snaps. It kind of was a split. He played more snaps in week one than Ramondre Stevenson. It went Damian Harris one. Ty Montgomery two, Mondre three. Now, once he got hurt, Mondre basically took over the pass down role, and then took over the entire role. But that's not to say they don't want to have some sort of split this year with Bill O'Brien back. And the the plus for him is that Ty Montgomery is not working out with the RBs. Uh, They don't even have him wearing that helmet that RBs have to wear. He's literally wearing a different helmet working out with the wide receivers. But there's other guys that that could potentially factor in. One of which we might talk about in the sleeper section. That's a little bit of a teaser for you there. So that's the top 10 group there. Uh, What we're going to do now is we're going to hear real quick from our friends over at FFPC, and then we're bringing on Bob Harris to sort out the jungle that is the mid-range running backs all the way through the dead zone. So let's hear from FFPC, and then we'll bring Bob in here to uh, sort out the tough part.
1: Kendra Miller fan. He's running back 46 in the Fantasy Pros Championship right now uh, at, at the um, end of the 11th round. I want you to talk a little bit about him from both standpoints. Number one from redraft, um, he's in the backfield, same backfield as Alvin Kamara, who we talked about in the first hour, and then obviously Jamal Williams. But as far as Dynasty goes too, what you what should you be doing now if you're a, a dunce like me and missed on Miller, what kind of offers should you be making for Kendra Miller in your Dynasty leagues right now? Well, the problem now is the news worked against you, right?
2: In the sense that, you know, that there's a suspension looming. Uh, We don't know what that suspension is. So do you try to go after him prior to the suspension or do you wait to see how long it is, Mm -hmm. Uh, right? Because the higher the suspension is, the more expensive Kendra is going to be. It gives him an opportunity. We saw Kamara, you know, you don't have to go farther than, than New Orleans. We saw Kamara take advantage. I remember they brought in Adrian Peterson. They had, um, uh, what's his name? Mark Mark Ingram. Yep. Right? And then they brought in Kamara, and everyone's like, there's no way Kamara's going to be relevant year one. And he smashed. Because talent comes through. These teams want to win now. They're going to put the best players out there. Kendra Miller comes off of a 1,400-yard season. Like, one thing for me, bulky in fantasy, is if you showed me you did it, I'm going to believe you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This whole upside thing where you've never done it, I'm over all of that. Like tight end position. I talk about often. That's why I don't invest in rookie tight ends. I'll pay. I'll pay the price for a Kelsey. I'll pay for a Kittle when I know they're going to smash for me. Right. Running back. You're looking for talent. You're looking for proven. This guy's proved it. And I look progression. You look at his career in, in college. He's progressed every year in the receiving game, in the rushing game. I just, there's, there's something about when you watch him play. And sometimes it's not, you know, I don't have a great stat for you or anything. But there's guys, there's certain guys when I see him play, something kind of, you know, and he's one of the guys, when I started watching his tape and just seeing what he can do, I think he can be an all-around workhorse. He had 224 touches uh, in his last season in college. So, look, we talk about New Orleans. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. They have a new quarterback. They have everything, a whole new situation there. He he could come in with Kamara out and just take over that backfield right away.
0: What's up, gang? We are back, baby. And I know, you know, I want to get my concepts out. You guys didn't come here for that, though. You didn't come here to hear my dog, Lufa, barking in the background. As Mike, daddy's home in the chat, points out, he says, I'm only here for Bob Harris, to be honest. And I think that's fair. Bob is an absolute legend in the industry. Literally, Fantasy Sports Writer Association Hall of Fame, which is a beautiful thing that you can be in the Hall of Fame in this industry, but still be in your prime, right? They don't make you ah. retire and wait five years, right, Bob? You're uh, so <laughs> Without further ado, Bob Harris, man, uh, FF Diehards. What's up, man? How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. By the way, my cat is almost certain to make an appearance. He's howling at me from the top of the stairways right now. So uh, prepare One yourself. One of those
0: shows today, man. It's raining cats and dogs. Uh, cats and dogs living together, Bob. That's, <clears> that's what we got going on today, man uh So yeah,
3: uh, and I'm only here from Mike Fiala, by the way. So, there, so, <laughs> right, so I'm I here for you, Coop. Uh, happy to be on this uh fine program. Congratulations on this; it's fantastic. Look at
0: this. Cheers, man. Thank you. Yeah, I did have to run it by Mike first before okay. I had. Uh, I had Mike on as the first guest, and ever since then, he's he's had some comment about every guest that comes in. Mike so apparently, amazing. he's Mike now the bouncer.
3: Fantastic guest. He's a fantastic yeah. guest. His own right. Great guy.
0: Love. Him. He is. Yeah, I listened to him on your show, man. That was uh that was excellent. Excellent programming. So uh enough enough talking about how awesome you are and how your smile lights up every show you're on let's talk about running backs let's get in there um let me get get your general philosophy first before we hit some adps and stuff uh are you because there's basically three camps there's the i'll never draft a running back ever in my life and you can't make me best ball crew and then there's the old school robust rb like still 2007 you know every top 15 pick should i'll be running backs and then there's the people that are kind of like water saying i'll just take value when it comes to me uh which would you skew to either it's too easy to say you're like water so which which of those first two camps would you skew more to, towards if you had to pick one
3: if i had to pick one i mean it's a, it's a little bit old school it'd be a hero running back kind of setup but honestly i think the correct answer is water and it should always be the correct answer every draft is unique and different right you're going into them, and, and you know, I'll just start out by stipulating I'm in a lot of drafts, so are you, right? We're in a hundred plus drafts right now, best ball, you know, deep easily. So we have the benefit of trying a variety of approaches and seeing which ones work best as we get closer to the leagues that matter most to us. And I think it's a good approach to be like water to take to test all these theories and, and see which one works for you and what you could feel comfortable with. I just got a, a new one that kind of is apropos. Or not a new one, but I, I talked to Curtis Patrick from RotoVis uh, last week, and you know he was talking about you know focusing, getting like your you know going hero wide receiver, then getting your quarterback, Ooh. maybe getting your tight end, and then hammering that dead zone of running backs before you you know two three picks in a row. And I'm trying that, and I'm liking it a lot. And then you cash in. There seems like seems like every year there's a lot of wide receivers, right? That that if yeah. it goes the right way, you could have some great picks in the later rounds, right? I mean, we see a lot of wide receiver ones going into double-digit rounds, 14s, right? And I get it. It's not ideal, but it's not like it's impossible for them uh, to overcome a bad offense. Easier for running backs to overcome a bad offense because... Uh, they tend to get just super heavy volume. Yeah, I, I think the perception out there is that oh, if it's a you know a lousy offense, the running back isn't gonna do great. Right. No, it's when the defense is lousy, the running back isn't gonna yeah. do great. So uh, lousy offenses with good defenses, uh, plenty of running backs there. So I'm not buying into the dead zone thing. I think there's lots of life in the dead zone. So happy to happy to
0: dive in. Perfect. I'm glad and I'm glad you just have been talking about this. You've been dabbling in this range, right? Okay. And I just love that we have all these like these new labels that we can use to come up with different strategies. Sure. Somebody the other day just said, They said to me, uh, double hero RB. I was like, Back in my day, we just called that a fancy draft. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you drafted two running backs and then a bunch, and then you drafted running position. back. That was like
3: yeah. every draft I was in,
0: and so <laughs> like like every draft, yeah. Every draft from 2001 to 2010 right. was so double from hero 90, RB. To exactly. Yeah, you didn't okay. need to take a third running back, right? Because Chris Holmes is getting 400 carries, right? Exactly, so, right? Yeah, but I'm glad and I and I, I'm with you that I actually just did a mock it's over on fantasyalarm.com, a Superflex mock. I didn't draft a wide receiver till the 5th round and I just took three guys in a row named Mike. Yep. Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, and I looked at it and I was like, "Hey, you know what? When Maybe get Michael right? Thomas while you're Michael Thomas. Yeah, just mike it up, dude. All mike squad let's go, baby." Uh, but anyway, let's get into some ADP's. Uh, sure. I pulled up FFPC, that's what we use, that's our Sponsor the show, you know, you know, high stakes guys. So uh, you get smart, a good look smart at Smart rooms. It. Smart, scary rooms, actually, honestly, right. sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go play over there because if you do win an FFPC league, you're kind of a boss, right? So, yes, uh, yeah, but I looked at it. Uh, I, I rounded out the top 10. So I'm going to hit you with the next set here. Uh, and there is a bit of a break in ADP. So we got Brees Hall. And I'm going to put you on the clock right now, Bob. So I'm going to say you've already done your kind of, uh, double hero wide receiver, <laughs> just aka starting drafting two wide receivers. And now you got to take a running back. So we got Brees Hall at 36, Jameer Gibbs at 37, Najee Harris at 40, Joe Mixon, 43. I mean, let's know how tight these ADPs are. Travis Etienne, 44, Aaron Jones, 46. So those guys all going within 10 picks. Paul Gibbs, Harris, Mixon, Etienne Jones. Who you got?
3: Right, these almost adhere directly to my rankings. I had not seen this particular adp, but it's almost right. directly proportional with my rankings and and as people I'm gonna see Mr. Scampers and Dame Overboard and Albert out in the chat, they're gonna know where I'm going right. with this because there's no hesitation for me. might depend a little bit on my build and uh and you know maybe it depends on if it's my first or second running back. But uh, ideally, I'm drafting Jameer Gibbs here. I mean, I'm, it's it's not even a second thought. The, the the closest other option is Najee Harris. If I just feel like I need certain volume in a less than exciting offense, or you know, and you know, I mean, it, it just seems like maybe there's a little room for more this year. I'm talking to the beat writers in Pittsburgh. They seem to be a little more optimistic about this offense in general. Um, but I, look, Jameer Gibbs, this is an easy argument for me. We're drafting Bijan Robinson in round one based on what draft capital. And anticipated workload, for sure, talent, all these things. The the Lions, I will remind you, picked Jameer Gibbs four four picks later. There's a substantial – and they obviously value him greatly. You go back to last year's running back production in Detroit, which granted probably a bit of an outlier, right, all the touchdowns for Jamal Williams. I'll I'll grant you that. But just generally speaking – We've been drafting DeAndre Swift as a component in that offense, and he's been up in the 20s, you know, playing a limited time, ranked in the 20s, and maybe broke into the top 20, I think, once. But Jameer Gibbs, who, by the way, Tim Twentyman from the team's official website told me about two weeks ago that that Jameer Gibbs is the best receiving back he's ever seen in his 15 years covering that team. So Reggie
0: Bush was over there, Theo Riddick. Right. Uh,
3: They've had some some great receiving backs there over the course of time. We can go all the way back to Theo Riddick. We need to, but, uh, but, but in general, you give him about 55% of last year's running back production. I think he ends up being running back eight or seven this year. So, uh, you know, and I don't expect that, but I do expect pretty solid play. And I know David Montgomery is there and is concerned. It's a great offensive line, super explosive offense. There's enough room for both those guys. I'll take Gibbs. I'll take Gibbs there. If I am maybe going wide receiver heavy earlier, and I feel like, man, I just need the volume. I just need the sure volume. Najee Harris is the second place to me.
0: Okay, I love that. And the thing is with the Gibbs argument, it kind of goes with the argument I've been having all over Twitter on Dalton Kincaid and to some degree, Sam Laporta is that it's okay to lean into the narrative here in that these teams are win now and they went out of their way to get weapons and they traded up to get them. Right. So when you draft Jameer Gibbs, you, if he, if he busts, you'll be upset, but not as upset as Lions right. fans should be right or same with Dalton Kincaid like if you're at the Bills win now window with Stefan Diggs aging and Trey White and Von Miller aging if they trade up for a pass catcher that is supposed to be an impact player right so you can lean into that narrative like they drafted Jameer Gibbs to be a better version of DeAndre Swift who was very good in this offense
3: they, like they just didn't trust him right and I feel right. like they're looking for the for the for the DeAndre Swift they can trust and so Hopefully they found him. They certainly invested like they found him. That investment does matter. Like, uh, you know, uh, of all those backs, I mean, some of them make me really nervous. Travis Etienne, for some reason, talking to Mike DiRocco from ESPN is one of the reasons. Of course, my co-host on Sirius Mike Dempsey covers that team on a daily basis. He's seen a lot of Tank Bigsby. But Mike DiRocco thinks this is going to be a situation what we saw early with James Robinson last year, where he gets entire series, not one series, two, maybe three series. A game that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be a limiting factor for Travis Etienne, especially if they throw in some goal line mm. carries for Bigsby. So I think I'd rather take Bigsby super late than I am interested in going ETN early.
0: So ETN's the one of this group that you don't like.
3: probably uh, the one I like the least. Yeah,
0: yeah, I feel that. So yeah, again, for those listening, the group was Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Najee Harris, Mixon, Etienne, Aaron Jones. He likes Gibbs, Harris doesn't like Etienne. Uh, before we move on, gotta ask Brees Hall. Did you You holding off a little bit for now, or what do you think? I
3: am. uh, You know, we'll see. So every off season, every year, you're working with a continuum of data, right? And you go with the, as you draft, you go with the amount of data that's in that continuum. Now, you know, it's going to go forward and you know, things are going to change. They always do. And so as things change, I'll adjust that strategy. But for right now, with their interest in Dalvin Cook and his words this morning, how he really thinks it'd be great to be a jet, all these things. Like I'm not drafting out of fear, but also. You know, we've seen what happens when players come off ACL. It's worked a couple times really super well. Those guys were like, what, Adrian Peterson and Jamal uh, Jamal, uh, Charles?
0: Very few, yeah.
3: Right, and so and and others have needed more time. Most recently, we've seen, you know, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards need more time. They had severe injuries, right? And, you know, maybe that's more what, you know, in line with what happened to Javante Williams. Brees Hall, they say, was clean. Everything seems like it's good. But at the ADP, I think we're drafting – a little enthusiastically. And some of these guys in the dead zone to me have a great deal of appeal. Maybe they don't have the upside, but also if you're drafting those guys, Coop, you can do something like, you know, insure yourself. You can look at your whole roster. You can take risks on your roster without having a risky roster. You can, you know, you can mitigate that risk by drafting players later. Like what do you think about Rashad Penny? Who's, you know, by all accounts, like, I know he got the first team snaps and everything, but I'm going beyond that to every beat writer I've talked to this year saying, They don't see any reason it's not going to be Rashad Penny being the primary back. We've seen what he can do two years ago. Last six games of the season, he ran for 200 yards more than any other back in football. He was really good. He's running behind the best offensive line in football this year. So if you want to take a chance on him a little later and maybe give yourself, oh, he gets hurt all the time. Well, I only need him for the first month of the season until those guys get closer to up to speed. So you can, you can, you know, put the puzzle pieces together on your roster to maybe cobble something together you're comfortable with. But the ADP is still high for me.
0: Bingo, you got to give yourself, if you're going to do that, if you're going to play that game, you got to give yourself uh, a decent floor and and also a decent ceiling. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you then about this next group because, like, th- that's the group where ADP kind of matters. And then you get into this next group and it, it doesn't matter as much. Right. It's kind of out the window, really. Um, and there's a mishmash of different players, like you talked about. Like, a Rashad Penny, um, you know, has never had 10 catches in a game in a season. Uh, we don't really know the extent of that skill set, but he at least has a defined where he's going to be the early down back on a team that has a great line and the RPO opens it up. Right. Do, you, do you personally, do you care as much about having to get uh shooting for upside with bell cows in this next range? Or do you kind of play it safe with uh, guys that have defined roles and you know, you're not going to get a zero or does it really depend who you've taken already? And you're just kind of looking for balance.
3: Mr. Scamper calling to the hyper-cobbled running back theory. I like this. I'm laying claim to that, Scamper. Scamper's a um, master. So, um, look, I think it depends on how you're building your roster, right? There, There may be times where you take the chances with some of these players. I'm generally going for volume, though. Volume is the the primordial sludge from which fantasy points rise. Right, that's it, nothing happens without touches. Right, and so I'm hoping to get those. And by the way, you know, you look at Rashad Penny doesn't catch a lot of passes. Uh, DeAndre Swift does. Also, the Philadelphia Eagles do not throw many passes to their run backs. So I'm not I'm not that worried about. it. I'm more interested in places where maybe they will. In this case, maybe in Carolina. Talked to a beat writer there last night who thinks, you know, we're going to see you know, Miles Sanders approach that catch yeah. totally out as a rookie and, you know, as a, as a safety valve kind of player. So so those those are the kind of player I'm looking – I'm chasing volume at this point. And, and maybe a little bit of past success doesn't hurt me a little bit, right? I mean, you know, you get that, like, if I recall correctly, Cam Akers from weeks 12 or 13 through weeks 18 was a top five fantasy running back, running behind one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen in my life.
0: Back to, uh, back to back to back hundred yard rushing right. games in the season. Yeah. Right. So, so let me let me hit you I'll with some names that. here, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, you said Miles Sanders already. I love Miles Sanders. Like I should have like a thing in my office here when somebody says they like Miles Sanders, that I just like pull it and the streamers come down and the balloons because I it. love Miles. Sanders. And the thing is, there's some people that I really respect that are not in. Like I talked to True. like JJ uh, Zach He's just, he's not in. and his arguments make a lot of sense. Right. They do. And That's that's what Always. that's the beauty about this is that. Uh, we could probably all make arguments for and against players. And uh, the day that we all have all the answers, we won't have a game to play. So, right. I mean, uh, I, I like J- it better in J- this way.
3: Right? right. I do. JJ makes a really strong argument for Rashad White, who's in this group, yes. I'm sure, as well. You know, and I would make the same arguments for Sanders, right? So, I mean, it, it, there is it is open to interpretation.
0: For sure. So, we've got in this range, and I'm not even going to list the ADPs because it, do- it truly doesn't matter when you get here because they go all over the place. The, the ranges become wide. So it's Kenneth Walker, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, Cam Akers. You mentioned Damian Pierce, Rashad White, DeAndre Swift is in here. James Conner, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, when you go through that list, you mentioned Dobbins as a guy that could. Sorry, you mentioned Miles Sanders, as a guy that could be like every down type guy. Cam Akers, Rashad White. Is there anybody else on that list that you you look at and say, "Hey, you know what? Why can't this guy get all the high leverage touches on his team?"
3: So I have uh, an addiction to James Conner. I don't yeah. know that there is a cure for it. I can't get away from it. I don't <laughs> know what else this offense is going to do. Colt McCoy is like serviceable, right? And, and he'll be in tune. A- I want right. Clayton
0: Tune.
3: Uh, Clayton Tune. it. might happen, but it, it's entirely possible. But, it, but either way, I mean, thinking this team is going to lean heavily and I know what the complaint is and I feel the complaint that's, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Okay. Yeah. So does every other player in the NFL. I'm not, I'm injury agnostic. I'm not afraid of players who have been hurt in the past as long as it's not a chronic injury. Chronically injured and chronic injuries are different things, people. Uh, and so if it's not a chronic injury, it's a collision sport. Guys are going to get hurt. And, you know, I know people, Michael Fabiano will irritate me endlessly with her players stay hurt and all that. I, I just don't buy it, man. I, you know, it, it happens, but it's because they're busy. And, and it's a two-edged sword of fantasy football, right? You need volume. Injuries come from volume. The more opportunities, the more times you are handling the football, the more hits you take, the more likely we are to get hurt. So I like I like Connor a lot, a lot in that range. I love Acres. Acres would be my top in that range for right now because I think with Matthew Stafford back, that offense you know has some chance for growth. Uh, I'm pretty. I, I, I haven't been as keen on Alexander Madison because the Vikings throw at 65% of the time. And then we saw the article yesterday, Ben Gessling from uh, the Minneapolis Star Tribune suggested we're going to see a mix of guys in there. So I'm kind of down. But but the the Evan Silva video I saw floating through my Twitter time, my, or is it X? I don't know anymore. I'm old. Yeah. Uh, the, I saw an Evan Silva video and I just started going... God dang, man, he's making some sense. I'm probably going to have to get a few more shares of Madison. I am. And the volume is going to be there, I think. But it's just, this is a pass first offense. So like him, don't love him. But starting by him. Damian Pierce, I think, is going to be very busy. Talked to Aaron Wilson last night from Covers the Texans closely. He is not worried in the least about Devin Singletary. He thinks Pierce is totally the guy. I'm okay with Rashad White. I think for the reasons JJ argued uh, a couple weeks ago, just the volume, the receiving volume is going to be something there. Not in on Swift. Um, not as in on David Montgomery, I think he'll be okay. I'm fine with Pacheco, but I think, I think, you know, those guys are at the tail. And I think the pieces I like best of this group are Sanders, I mean, I'm okay with Kenneth Walker in this range. I'm not much interested in JK Dobbins right now until I get a little certainty, but, but acres is probably the top of this or near the top of this list for me.
0: Yeah. So the Kenneth Walker thing is I was like, so immediately when they drafted I was like, I'm out, I'm done. But then I remembered that this team, the same coach drafted Rashad Penny in the first round. Right. and then Chris Carson got every single snap. So it, this, I mean, this is
3: the history of Pete Carroll, right? He has right. a running back that he loves. He drafts another running back and invests highly. And but the guy that's there, the incumbent, plays until he's hurt. Penny, then Walker, Walker now Charbonnet. So assuming Walker stays healthy, I and look, he's a big, capable, big play threat with the ball in his hand. So I'm fine drafting him. I just don't see much, much competition for a guy like Akers. I, you're getting, you're going to have to draft Walker earlier, and I'm fine depending on how your draft plays out. Doing that but I'd rather wait a little bit and go with acres or one of these other guys on this same list. It's a great list by the way, Andrew. Well done.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you can thank the FFPC. I I put them together as a spot. And the thing is the question I asked you first about whether you shoot for upside or play it kind of safe with defined roles. And you were like, depends on what my build is, but it sounds like if you don't have any leaning, the guys you named, you're going for, you're, you're you're swinging for the fences, right? Like why not though? Like we've seen it a bunch. Where and the thing is, in the modern NFL, it's not like it used to be. Where to some degree, teams that are clearly in a bridge or tanking, they're willing just to ride one guy on the ground. Absolutely. We saw it with Damian Pierce. We saw it with uh, James Robinson, right?
3: Like, right? And Expect to see it this year with guys like Tony Pollard, James. who I know the Cowboys have talked. You were talking about previously. The Cowboys have said we like to limit him. Don't expect a lot of limitations this year. He's a one-year rental car. They're going right. to drive the wheels off him and see where it ends up going forward. And so. I just think that that that's the, that's the approach. And also, you know, this Andrew, everyone out in the chat knows this. Nobody remembers who came in second place, man. Take some, take some shots.
0: Yeah. Go big baby. Put your name on that trophy and that money in your pocket. I say that in dynasty all the time where it's like, don't forget to stop and win your league once, right? Like too many people trying to win three or four years in a row, just go all in and win, you know? So that's where I'm at. And honestly, if they do ride Tony Pollard into the ground and then don't give him a contract, the next running back meeting, it's gonna be Jerry Jones's face is gonna be on the dartboard because they did it with Zeke and they did it with Demarco Murray. Remember Demarco right. Murray? They four hundred touches. He played with a broken hand for right. that team, right? By the he way, surgery. Marcus
3: Mosher from You Locked On Cowboys podcast was on my show last night. He expects the the Demarco Murray treatment. Wow, uh, for Tony Pollard this year.
0: Classic, dude. Yeah, classic. All right, before I get you out of here, I want to ask you. Uh, you know, this is a very serious show, Bob. Despite the dog barking early on, uh, not going to make it easy on my guests, man. I got to give you one more tough one. Uh, let's say, regardless of your philosophy, there's uh, this year at this time of year, super high risk options in guys like Alvin Kamara, Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Zeke Elliott. Let's say you've already you let's say you went out and you did your kind of safe thing, like your the the hyper cobbled RB strategy that scampers mentioned in the chat you've already got your safe guys and you just need to take one last uh one last swing for the fences here one of those guys who are you gonna take
3: so i'll narrow it down to two it's it's uh camara and and williams right now and and i it's probably slightly in camara uh talking to katherine terrell from espn she almost sold me on this i was i was a little bit reluctant look and we don't know what's going to happen hopefully we find out before the season but but she's expecting more of uh, a return to the Kamara Bowl, more heavily targeted. I don't know if that's going to be an 80 catch a year, Kamara. I think that guy left with Drew Brees. But, you know, I don't know if the future quarterback there is going to be throwing, you know, 28% of his uh, targets to, to running backs. But but that's that's my lean. I think Alvin Kamara is still a very good back, hasn't been in a good situation. The uncertainty kills me, uh, but there's less unser- There's more uncertainty with for guys who are not on teams, right? And I just, you know, not knowing what the landing spot's going to be I'll take my chances and hope for a four to six game or six game appeal to four or something for Kamara, and and look, it's super encouraging news for Javante Williams. Uh, but I, you know, I know Dr. Jesse Morse on Twitter, you know, kind of reminded everyone, put a good reminder out there. This is not, this is the expectation should not be a, a fast rise back up. So I think I'll take my chances with Kamara right now, and and I've been totally anti-Kamara uh, up until we got the resolution on the uh, off-field issue here a, lot, a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like Sean Payton is the kind of coach where the moment somebody walks out on the grass, he's like, you're not going on the pup list. You're fine. Right. Yeah, but maybe right. not. So we'll see yeah. All right, Bob. Well, thank you very much before you go first. I want to see, are you rocking a signature band or rock and roll shirt of any kind? What do we got here? Megadeth. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. As, as rock as you can get. <laughs> so I, I figured you'd be wearing something over there and then tell everybody what you got going on. And, uh, And what you got coming up, man? Thank you so much for joining us, dude. You're a boss.
3: I have nothing as cool as this. First of all, for starters, this is great. Uh, The fantasy football fiasco. I love Cooper. Thanks for having me on. Got to get you on my stuff. Uh, You can go to footballdiehards.com. Uh, the new Pro Forecast magazine, Football Diehards magazine. Now, great article by Marcus Grant in the Pro Forecast, by the way, on just what we're talking about, how to deal with these committee running backs and just the way of running backs going forward in the future. So go check that out at Football Diehards. You can hear me on the radio on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Go to the Football Diehards YouTube channel. I'm there twice a week, it's Wednesdays and Saturdays, 7 p.m. and noon, respectively. Don't miss it. It's a lot of fun. Come chat with me. I'm Bob Ferris
0: hell yeah bob you're the man dude thank you for popping in it's so cool dude so really cool, appreciate
3: dude. the invite man love uh hanging Sorry. out with you and look forward to seeing you in, 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 at the expo
1: yeah
0: if i can make it i make i gotta it. i'm i'm <laughs> i know buddy i'm doubtful with a baby on the way i but hear you man it's it might it might work it might work right, right. i know i'm rooting for you trust man. me hey. love yeah. seeing you last year man yeah yeah oh dude good times buddy all right bob take it easy pal uh coming up Next, I'm going to get into the fun part of this draft. Oh, Bob, you're not going away. There we go. Uh, I'm going to get the fun part. I'm going to get into the sleepers uh, right after we hear a quick word from our buddies over at FFPC.
1: Reese Hall right now, uh, and I've talked to plenty of high-stakes players. I'm sure you have too, Kev. Had Hall not torn his ACL last year. He might have been the one oh one in drafts this year. That's how good he was looking last year, and obviously with the addition of Aaron Rodgers. At the three oh five, running back eleven behind Derrick Henry or Mondre Stevenson, right ahead of Jameer Gibbs and Najee Harris. Your thoughts on him as a as a mid third round pick. How have you been attacking him? Have you been getting him at that spot so far this year?
4: Yeah, if I start out with two wide receivers, Brees Hall is right at the top of the queue coming into the third. Um, if I knew he'd be healthy for week one. I'm I still a little. Well, he'd be going I, higher I, than yeah. He'd be going higher right. than the mid third. Right. He he, he certain he may go one on one or well, RB one at least. Yeah. Um. But I don't think we know that even if he's healthy in spring and the summer.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I still like like if I'm running a team if I'm the coach I'm bringing him back slow like. He's on a pitch count Like I want him for the end of the season Because I got Aaron Rodgers for the playoffs Right? Like Even if he's fully healthy I would work him in slow But that is actually what you want Like Mm -hmm. He's still going to get the high value touches So Yeah If we know he's healthy He's a first rounder So like If he's sitting there in the third Especially when I get two wide receivers to start I'll take Paul all day
1: Yeah, it almost makes me think that the uncertainty with Brees Hall has made him unfairly fall too far, right? Like, um, because, of you know, we're we're talking about um, the team here in June, they're still hoping that he's ready for week one. This is not, oh, we'll see what happens, oh, we're taking it day by day, oh, we're liking how he's coming along. No, they they still think by week one. And the fact that we have that timeline, I think, maybe bumps him up, especially as the drafting season gets deeper and deeper here in July and August. Maybe we start seeing him go up the boards uh, as well.
0: What's up, guys? We are back. Bob Harris had to take off. He helped us with the hardest part of this draft, which is the middle rounds. Did want to have him hang around for the concepts here. That's the thing about this show is we're doing concepts that make you a better fantasy gamer. Bob, when he gives you his picks there, he specifically told you why, and he told you things that should resonate with you, and you could take those and make your own picks, right? That's what we're going to do here. So with these sleepers, you got to remember that zero RB, there's a huge contingency of people that don't understand how it actually works. They think that you're just punting the position. They think you're just saying, Oh, forget running back. I'm not even gonna worry about it. You actually need to know more about running back. If you go zero RB, you need to be a running back expert. You need to be fully plugged in. If you don't want to deal with running back, draft them early. That's what you do. If you actually want to punt the position, and not worry about it. Draft running backs early. That way you don't have to think about, you know, who the handcuff pluses are and who the sleepers are and who the rookies are. That's the real situation here. And when you get into these late round guys, as Bob kind of pointed out, you need to have a balance of somebody you can start early on versus high upside lottery tickets, right? But with some of these these guys, you can actually just find guys that can outright start for you all year and be studs. So I'm going to give you some examples of those here. Uh, And how we find them is really lean into the narratives of who does what now. In these later rounds, all the backfields are split. Like, there's no more bell cows. We talked about them all. James Carter's probably the last one coming off the board, but they're all split to some degree. So uh, know who's going to be the running down guy, who's going to be the pass down guy, and then look at the narrative of that team. L- running in the NFL is the luxury of the winning team. When you're a you know team winning four games, five games, you're not running the clock out. You're not getting all those extra garbage time carries and, and touches that the star teams are. So if you have a bad team, typically you don't want to go for the running down back if it's split. Vice versa, if you have a bad team, go for the pass down back, right? They're going to need to throw more. Their back's going to be on the ropes. They're going to have more of those those situations where they're down by one, two scores where guys like Josh Jacobs ate last year. Guys like Austin Eckler, even in those situations, he got a ton of targets, right? So that's what we're looking at. I'll give you a couple uh, examples now. Uh, I mean, just in terms of the, the different roles the patriots are a great example because in 2016 they went 14 and 2 the team was awesome LeGarrette Blount was on easy street he scored 18 touchdowns right and he only had seven receptions because they it was a split backfield but who cares 18 touchdowns that's an rb1 now 2 years later in 2018 same patriots team they lost julian edelman they lost rob gronkowski they had their back against the ropes they you know for the patriots at the time only 11 games was a terrible season And in that season, James White got 123 targets. He finished as RB7. These are basically the same backfields, right? James White was on the team in 2016, but different circumstances led to different guys being fantasy relevant, right? So uh, that's not the only way to break it down, good versus bad. It'd be very simple and easy if it was, but that's one way to look at it and use narratives to your example. So before we get out of here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at some ADPs again from FFPC. We talk about how these guys are sharp, so I don't want to be giving you ADPs from some other site where it's easy to find sleepers and you know it's kind of a joke. Uh, these guys take it very seriously. The buy-ins: two thousand dollars for the main event, up to five thousand for the big ones, or you could play for as little as five dollars. If you want to get signed up over there, go to myffpc.com. Use promo code ALARM. If you deposit over thirty-five bucks, they'll just give you twenty-five. So pretty good deal. Uh, I look at the ADPs over there, and these are some guys I like going well outside the RB2 range. So the RB2s are the top 24 running backs. I look at pick 31, sorry, RB31, pick 92, James Cook. Man, James Cook was a guy originally I looked at and I said, oh, mobile QB, they brought in Damian Harris, I'm out. The more I've been researching and looking at this and listening to what people are saying about this player, I'm now in on James Cook. Like I thought Damian Harris was going to be the dog that he was going to be the early down back. You go to the experts of all experts over at DraftKings and, and Sportsbooks, they have Damian Harris set at 550 rushing yards. They have James Cook set at 700. 700 rushing yards. James Conner, who we just said was like a every down back, he set at 750. David Montgomery, who we know is they paid him a lot of money to be the early down back for the Lions with a good offense with Frank Ragnow and guys like that, he set at 750. James Cook said it's 700, and the part we like best about him isn't even the rushing, it's the pass catching. Go back and watch the Patriots games from last year. He carved them up, right? So James Cook at RB31, We I said earlier that James Conner might be the best, less, last bell cow. Maybe James Cook could be a bell cow in that range, and maybe this team is tired of uh, having Josh Allen get all nicked up, running at the goal line, and, and doing all so much himself. Maybe they do lean on the running back a little more. So James Cook at RB31, I'm in. After that, we do have to lean into narratives. I mostly play full PPR. FFPC is full PPR, so I lean into pass catching backs. One that I'm very much in on: Devin Singletary. ADB 145, RB 40. And the problem there is that historically, with uh, the Bills, the Singletary got the he got the deployment, but not the usage. They didn't dump it down to him. They didn't really have a great line, uh, but he still ran the fifth most routes of any running back last year. Like he was being used in that capacity. Great pass blocker. And Damian Damian Pierce graded outside the top 20 backs on pro football focus in pass blocking. And now people say to me, oh, who cares about pro football focus? Well, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Texans, worked for pro football focus for three years. So he probably knows a little bit about what goes into those formulas. He probably does care a little bit. And that's probably why, they brought in Devin Singletary. Now, no one's saying Damian Pierce is a bad runner. that That's the misconception is that you have, if you like Singletary, you have to say Damian Pierce isn't a good runner. He's a great runner, but so was Jordan Howard. So was Jeremy Hill. So was Alfred Morris. If you're the early down back on a team, you need that team to be a good offense to get the volume you need, the touchdowns we need. And this team is expected to be one of the worst teams in the league. So I could easily see, Singletary playing on pass downs, I could see him taking the entire two-minute drill, which in two-minute drill, you have to know all the audibles. You have to know all the pass blocking schemes. You have to be able to uh, work on the fly. If one of those things you aren't good at, you don't get that role. That's why Antonio Gibson never got that role and J.D. McKissick got it. That's why Joe Mixon didn't get it over Gio Bernard. That's why Philip Lindsay could have back-to-back thousand-yard seasons rushing, but never caught on because it's a totally different skill. And Devin Singletary is a vet that's great with that skill. And I think he's going to have a pretty good role in that aspect. The last one, he's a guy I alluded to in the top of the hour. If you were here for the first part, uh, here is the foreshadowing that I was talking about with Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson, we love. We like him at ADP. I think that even if the backfield is partially split, he's still going to be a great player. Every backfield is split to some degree. No back really plays more than 80% of the snaps. So somebody's got to play some, right? Uh, The Patriots could use split backs the way they did last time Bill O'Brien was there in 2011, right? Uh, Going all the way back to Corey Dillon and Kevin Falk, right? Danny Woodhead, James White. Uh, There's a history, 20-year history. Ramondre Stevenson is the first back in 20 years to have 200 carries and 35 receptions in the same season for the Patriots. That is a serious history of split backfields. And we've seen Deion Lewis do the early down roll one year and the pass down roll another year and still not get the full roll. So even though Ty Montgomery and, and when we look at look at who it might be, Ty Montgomery, as I mentioned earlier, now working with the wide receivers, not even wearing the special helmet for running backs anymore. So Pierre Strong is my favorite to get that pass down work. Right. James White as a rookie only had like 14 touches. He did nothing. He's on the James White plan. Damian Harris was a healthy scratch his entire rookie year. Ramondre Stevenson didn't play too much like too much early on either. So this guy is a crazy fast 40 time, 4. 3.7, 99th percentile per player profiler. So Pierre Strong at pick 214, easy pick for me. Devin Singletary, 145, rock solid. James Cook at 92, I'm willing to do it. Those are my kind of late round guys I'm targeting on FFPC based on the ADPs. And if you like those players, those are super low. James Cook at 92 is a lot lower than other sites. So go to FFPC.com and if you deposit over 35 bucks, they'll just give you 25 bucks. Uh, and you can play with the best in the industry, high stakes games. If you win a league over there, you're gold plated, right? Putting your profile immediately on Twitter. High FFPC, high stakes winner. Makes you look like a boss. So those are my guys there. The other thing that I would say is, and this is more just concepts, go out and look for ambiguous backfields, right? Take the cheapest guy in an ambiguous backfield. It's the cheat code that's been working forever. with the Dolphins. If they don't sign Dalvin Cook, we don't know. Is it going to be Jeff Wilson? Is it going to be Raheem Moster? Is it going to be Devon A-Chain? Take your favorite man. A-Chain's crazy fast, super exciting, but so is Moster. Jeff Wilson could beat early down back. The Bears, they have a mobile QB. The Eagles, they have a mobile QB. Don't really love it, but there's value to be had there, as Bob Harris pointed out earlier. Rashad Penny, why can't he score a bunch of touchdowns? Miles Sanders scored 13, right? Uh, I look at the Vikings. You mentioned Alexander Madison. People like Ty Chandler. Dwayne McBride is a bulldozer. He didn't catch a lot of passes, 1,700 yards last year in his senior season. And Keenan Wangwu, tell you what, he's kind of buried there, but something to be said about a guy that could run back a kick at any moment. Explosive, exciting. That's how Kamara burst on the scene. That's how David Johnson burst on the scene. Nobody knew who David Johnson was until he started running back kicks. You know, even guys like Randy Moss and Des Bryant started running back punts, and everyone was like, hey, maybe these guys should just be focal points of the offense. So I keep my eye on those guys. Uh, of course, the Saints, another one there. So feel free to take stabs on ambiguous backfields, take stabs on free agents, go crazy. Give yourself a shot at upside, especially with that last bench spot. If they don't do anything or they don't get signed, now you have somebody to drop for that all important pick uh, for uh, waivers, right? You got to drop somebody to add somebody. So with your last spot, use a high risk, high reward guy. You can get an answer on right away. So that's it for running backs. Hopefully we helped you guys with the landscape. Uh, Next week, we're going to do tight ends, but as I kind of talked about, might have a child coming very soon. So we're probably not doing a show on Monday. Next show is probably going to be Friday. We're going to do tight ends. We're going to bring on the original tight end whisperer, Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm to do that. So make sure you stay tuned with us. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for dealing with the dog. And I'll catch you guys next time around.